0: I saw this quote several years ago that was blowing out someone else's candle doesn't make yours shine brighter. And I think that that's so important. Unfortunately, someone else getting success doesn't mean that it was robbed from you. It doesn't mean that they're less deserving of it. And I think, you know, social media is social media is social media. And some people do things like self tapes when they don't even have a self-tape because that's how they, they want to honor their art and that's how they want to keep themselves from getting rusty.
1: Hi, welcome back to another episode of Mentors on the Mic podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Miller, a New York City native actress with credits and- Film, commercials, and off-Broadway. And every week, I bring you an incredible mentor in entertainment, focusing on how they started and how they moved up to where they are today. Thanks for listening, and let the episode begin. All right, I want to introduce you to our first sponsor: We Audition. We Audition is such a great resource. I was originally introduced to We Audition because I had an audition on it. And so I made a profile and I looked at all the stuff that they offer. Not only can you potentially audition on this, but you can get a reader if your go-to person to self-tape with is not available. Get a reader on this thing, right? You can look at their reviews. You can find the person you're looking for. It's all actors who know what they're doing. You don't even have to ask your partner. You don't have to ask your sister who knows nothing about acting. You can just get a reader on We Audition. You can also make a little extra money and be a reader on We Audition, so you can charge for your services and act, which is lovely. There's also great community and advice. There's resources, actor meditation. There's these daily actor journal pages, which are so good. Highly recommend. And with my discount code, MICHELLE25, you can get 25% off. And that's right, michelle twenty five. 25% 25% off, guys. I don't, you know, say yes to everyone who wants to be a sponsor, but I really do like We Audition. Highly recommend it if you're an actor. Happy Mentor Monday, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm very happy to introduce you to Jenny Rabbits, a New York City-based casting director at Jonathan Strauss Casting, one of the top New York City casting offices. They do everything from Law & Order SVU, FBI. And then currently, she is working on the three-hit NBC series, Chicago Fire, Chicago PD, and Chicago Med, which she affectionately calls the Chicago Triplets. And it's not only just amazing, this episode really breaks down so much, not only just her career, not only uh, there's, there's one sort of project that connects us, that was one of my first films that I ever booked. But also, there's so much that she talks about, about behind the scenes in casting a project. We go into it, right? So, for example, you know, how many pitches she gets and how does she go through them? And, you know, uh, what does she see when she scrolls through headshots? How does she decide who to bring in? How many people does she bring in a week approximately? How long does it take to cast something? What are some self-tapes do's and don'ts? And I personally love this office. I've I've been a reader for them. I've, you know, gone in for them a bunch. They're always so wonderful and so nice. And I can, you know, speak highly of them all the time. But Jenny is just such a wealth of information. You guys are going to love this. Without further ado, welcome, Jenny Rabbits. All right, well, welcome, Jenny Rabbits, to the podcast. Thank you so much for doing this. I'm very, very excited about this particular interview for a lot of reasons that we'll go over. But the first question I always like to ask my guest is, what was your first role in the entertainment industry? My
0: first job in the entertainment
1: industry that I got
0: paid for Because I think that's important. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) The distinction. Yeah. I was a dresser at a summer stock, I worked there the whole season. I remember it was really late hours. I was
1: ironing men's shirts until like 1 a.m. every night. The laundering part. That's like yes. they just make you do lots la- So you stay like past everyone else, really. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was doing like the quick changes during the show. Those are and then- fun. Yeah,
0: which are I fun. I love the quick changes. It was a great time. And then it was just like hours and hours of ironing and laundering and then hanging everything up. And there's a specific way to hang things up. But I had a really great time and I I learned a lot. And it was actually, you know, I was, I
1: think I was like 15. Oh. It was really nice to get paid for your work. And it was, it was hard. It was really hard labor. And then what was next? What did you use that to get to the next one?
0: I think that the next thing that I did that I got paid for was assistant stage managing. And that wow. really opened up the door into what, Else lies in the entertainment industry besides being an actor. And I was taught by a really amazing woman. She actually used to stage manage for the Oscars. So she was like, I mean, that's legit. Super stage manager. And she taught me kind of everything I needed to know. And she was like, you should do this for a living. And I was like, absolutely not. Because you, I mean, you really have to sacrifice so many parts of you to be a stage manager. And I just, I wasn't really ready to be that selfless yet. And I still, I still ended up stage managing on and off, like all throughout college, but it it opened up a lot of doors in terms of like, oh, I can, I can make a living doing something else and I can still enjoy myself. I don't need to be an actor in any way to be a part of this business.
1: I'm going to take a second because there's like some crazy sirens outside. So I was like, and they're going, okay, good. This is Excellent.
0: just like just, you, you every I feel like every is like podcast from the city is like we gotta take a little break for the
1: sirens. <laughs> it's a little break it's same with them when when we're like when I'm whenever I'm reading at your office it's the same thing we're like take a break for the sirens in the back like we're, when you are reading for like when we're auditioning someone, oh my gosh it's I brutal like just wait one second okay, there's a whole crowd there's a whole parade going on outside right now just yeah hold on a second. That's, that is a loud office.
0: And there's a lot of traffic that goes by. And you know, it's so funny because actors will say like, I can see their eyes just start darting around being like, Oh my gosh, I hear this crazy loud siren. And I, you know, of course I stop them, but I can see in their eyes. They're like, I don't even remember my lines. I'm so thrown out of the scene.
1: Uh, it's a bummer when, you ruin an emotional moment. Yeah. A good. perfectly good take, especially if it's an emotional one. Yes, exactly. Um, Okay, so we were on assistant stage managing, which is a very difficult job, probably yeah. one of the hardest uh, in a theater. And you said that you did that through school. I read somewhere that you also did. You write plays in school as well. I did yeah. I, I I still love to write.
0: I'm in a writers group. Yes. Uh, but yeah, I wrote plays in in school as well, and then I also was assistant directing. And so, so sort of all that that kind of combination of things. I liked being creative still and. I loved when I was assistant directing, I loved the casting process. I thought it was so fun. I loved watching auditions. I loved figuring out where people fit. And that was like, just so exciting to me. And then as casting directors would come to my college and do workshops and classes, I was like, every time they came down, I said, how do I become a casting director? What do I need to do? And I just started really thinking about that as my career. And I, I, m- I moved to New York city the day after I graduated college and I started working in casting right
1: away. Did you w- work at Cindy Tolans right away? Is that the no, first, No, first, my first place,
0: I was an intern at Telsey and Ooh. I was only supposed to be there for like less than three months. And I ended up staying for six. Wow. I was there quite a long time. And I, I loved it because it was my first foray into television. And I had, I, mean, I was such like a theater person, you know, I was yeah. like reading plays and I love musicals. And even though I loved television, I never really thought about casting television as a mm. job. And then right after that, I moved
1: to Cindy Tolan's office. Interesting. So at Telsey's, I mean, Telsey's, first of all, such a huge office for anyone who doesn't yeah. know Telsey, but they do, they're like one of the premier offices for theater as well. So you really yeah. got the full gambit. I mean, at other places, maybe you'd get one or two or three projects, but I feel like Telsey, you, you get thrown in.
0: Yeah, it's a lot. And they're really busy all the time. I like that they work as a group, which is really cool. And they really bounce ideas off of each other, which you would uh, you know, think with like a, a group that size, that would be really challenging. But they do a lot of brainstorming together, which I think is awesome. But I think what I, I liked best was just seeing the amount of volume of actors that were coming through the right. door and seeing these people for the first time I was like, I refer to it as like our actor bank or our actor database for casting directors. And it started the second that I was at, at Telsey. So that was really helpful. And I was sitting in on auditions and reading with actors and setting up appointments with their agents. So I was seeing their headshots, seeing their resumes. It was a really, really good introduction into what casting is. That being said, I think Telsey specifically is such a unique office. My experiences at other casting offices have not even been remotely similar. So it's really interesting seeing how everyone has different
1: styles and different energies. Absolutely. And so you were there for six months. What I have to ask? What did you do for money during an internship like that? Yeah, I bartended. I worked 80 hours a week.
0: I did. I did forty at Telsey, and I did forty bartending and and waitressing. I was bartending at a place in Queens, a sports bar, and I luckily made good money, thankfully. But I would leave Telsey at six o'clock on Friday, go straight to my restaurant job. They let me come late to my shift, so I would get there like around six forty-five and change in the bathroom and would work until 4am. And then I would do a double shift Saturday and either a double shift on Sunday or a half shift on, on Sunday. So it's insane to look back on. Yeah. I, I mean, I was young, Yeah, but (laughs) it's, it's really insane. But that being said, there was never a moment that I was wondering how I was going to pay my rent. And I, you know, I was able to buy myself food and... I am really, really, really grateful for that. So I know I don't I don't want to like, you know, you know, like bump up that hustle culture. I don't think that anyone should have to work 80 hours a week to put food on their table and pay rent. That being said, it built up my tolerance for late nights, late hours, and what happens in casting. Yeah. And it also just gave me a really big appreciation for people who have to have side jobs and sometimes how inflexible those side jobs jobs can be.
1: Right. Oh, I love that. Yeah. So how did you decide to, how did the move to Cindy Tolan happen? So I had interviewed at Cindy's office
0: right when I got to the city and Adam Caldwell was there at the time. Oh. And Adam sent me an email he said, we think you're great, but we're actually going to offer this internship to someone else, but we'd love to keep your name on file for the future. And I was like, great. So I got a job at Telsey, like right after that. And a couple months later, Adam wrote me and he was like, we'd love to, are you available? We'd love to have you start. I was like, I'm at Telsey. I should be done by the end of the month. And then he contacted me at the end of the month. And I was like, still at Telsey. I should be done by the end of the month. And then it was like, finally, hit December. And I was like, okay, I need to, you know, go somewhere else and try something out. So I I moved over to Cindy Tolan's office. And Cindy and Adam... Are incredible people and are artists through and through. But one thing I so respect about them is how kind they are. And Cindy would treat actors as if they were the Pope when they came in the room. And Adam was so giving of his time. I just remember him. And this is something that I still try to do with my casting. He would. You sort of pull people aside, you know, if he saw people in auditions and he knew that there was potential, he would call them into his office for a work session. Wow. And I just, I so respected that commitment to his job, but also being able to find that spark in an actor and nurturing it and not saying like, oh, you know, they were had a shaky audition, so we should just scratch them off. It mm-hmm. was like, let's cultivate this career. And wow it was, it was, they, they're just so amazing. I respect the two of them so much. And then Cindy so kindly said to me, I was there for almost two years or a little over two years. And she said, I can't pay you what you deserve, which I thought was the nicest thing anybody had ever said to me. And she said, so I'm going to find you a job that will pay you what you, what you, what you need. Cause wow. I was still bartending and it was still, it was still hard. I was bartending less, but it was, when, you know,
1: still a challenge. When you moved to to City did you also start off as an intern, or did you right away go into assistant? Yeah, I started out as an intern there and mm-hmm. just stayed around, and they kept feeding me things. How long were you there? I'm mean, used to two years, but how long were you an assistant, uh, uh, an intern for before you? That's moved a great
0: there? question. I don't know if we ever actually had like an official like "and now you're an assistant" moment. Got it. It's just sort of like you know they would. Name me as an assistant on certain projects, you know, or if they got money to add me on as an assistant, certain projects. And that's a really sort of interesting thing as well. Depending on the budget of the project, that's how you, that's how a casting director decides to staff. And so you don't always have the ability to pay for support staff and that, you know, makes it really challenging
1: for people to move up in the industry as well. That's so interesting to think about. Was that often discussed after or before? Like, were you, did you have a conversation with her before? She was like, okay, for this one, we can hire you as a casting assistant. Or was it afterwards being like, I can credit you for as an assistant on this one?
0: It was a little bit of both. I mean, there were some times where she was like, I'm throwing you extra money. I mean, because mostly she paid me right out of her pocket. And wow. then there were projects, you know, that would pay for an assistant and she would, you know, give me that salary. So it was sort of like, it was always in, in influx. And Interesting. She, she was the one who called up Jonathan Strauss and said, you have to hire this girl and they had no replacement for me at Cindy's office, which is unreal. Wow. And she heard maybe that they were, they were looking for someone they were looking. And- yeah. They, wow. they sent out a, they needed someone to start work on their backdoor pilot of Chicago PD. And Oh man. So Cindy called them up and said, you know, interview her. She's great. I went in for my interview. It's actually like a couple days from now. It's March fourth. It was my interview, wow. and went for my interview. And they called Cindy. I went back to Cindy's office to just carry on with the workday, and they called Cindy and they said, "Are you gonna kill us if we ask her to start tomorrow?" Mm. And she said, "No, I, I will. She can start tomorrow. Oh, cool. You know, I want her to, you know, go out and do a thing." And I still, I still keep in touch with Cindy and Adam, and they're so. I'm so grateful and thankful for them.
1: Do you remember the year? Like what year was it that you switched to Jonathan Strauss? Because I know you remember the day, but just curious. 2013.
0: Okay. Yeah. I think that this is, this okay. will be eight years. So
1: congrats. Thank That's you. Awesome. It's a weird thing to say congrats to, but you know what I mean? It's no, I think congrats I, I do winner. feel proud of it. So Fine. thank you. Okay.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I remember, and this is where I think I'm going to quickly insert the story into your journey, but I remember meeting you at Actors Connection, I think, right? Yes. I think, and it was at a workshop and you, I, th- I feel like you were one of my first people that I was meeting. I don't know. I don't know why, but I remember it was early and I remember you looked at my resume and I said it said Winter's Tale on it, and you immediately recognized the character, which, by the way, was like Humstone John's wife. And you were you were like, I worked on this, and I was like, wait, because I didn't remember you there, obviously in the room, and I didn't, you know, I think it was early in the career for me to know that you used to work there. Or you. I don't think you worked there at the time. I think you were Jonathan Strauss's, but I'm not positive. I was, yeah. Yeah, you were. So I, I didn't know you had worked at Cindy Tolan's prior to, but I just remember we had that moment where you were like, this was such a hard role to cast. And like, you had to, like you were going to go somewhere to try to find like Native American people who could be this role. And so I wanted to bring up this because it's a weird thing for me to bring up in general, having played a Native American role that I was not. And at the time, so excited and proud. I still am proud of the role, but I'm also not Native American. And we've, and I've heard you talk so much about diversity and authentic casting, and I bring it up a lot too. You know, what do you think about things like that now? And I know that you, you're really passionate about bringing more diversity into television. We can talk about that later if you want. But how do you feel about those type of things now? The idea of casting someone who's not Native American in a Native American role. I'm not positive I'm going to even use all this, but I did want to ask about it.
0: No, I think that's a great question. I think the ultimate goal in this industry is for it to not matter, but right now it does you know especially for we're talking about the indigenous community we're talking about the native community and how hard hit they were by covid how how hard hit they were by the recession and the sort of stereotypical roles that hollywood specifically but also broadway and other mediums have damaged and this community. So my belief is that until we get to a place, and I don't think I'll see it in my lifetime. It'd be great if we did until we get to a place where visibility is not so important, you know, where we're seeing a television a show where it's normal to see someone with a disability. It's normal to see someone of indigenous heritage. It's normal to see someone who is Middle Eastern or South Asian and it's not just a the best friend or the co-star nurse. It is in the fabric of the storytelling until we get to that point, I I have to push for authentic casting. I have to push for the idea that if we are casting an Indigenous role, it is played by someone who identifies as Indigenous. And I feel that way about um, disabilities. I feel that way about trans men and women. So, you know, I, and, and I don't think that that means that a native person or a trans person can only play those roles. Absolutely. And that's our job as casting directors is to find out who you are as the fabric of your person and then use that to populate our casts. But, you know, I, I, people love to like chew on this phrase, diversity for diversity's sake. And that really bothers me because that phrase is often thrown out by cis white men who feel threatened by a thinking that their jobs are being taken away. And I'll put that in like the biggest quotes that I can, because the reality is that's absolutely not true. And there are still tons and tons and tons of jobs for white people, especially white men. And we are creating a world on television, in film, On stage that reflects the world that we live in. And I think that that is not only fair and equitable, I think it's right. I think it's morally right. So I hate that diversity for diversity's sake. No, you're doing it because it's the right thing to do, because it reflects the population. When I walk out into New York City, you know, I I see a person in a wheelchair, I see a Black person, I see an Indian person. And it makes no sense to walk out into a television New York City and everybody is blonde and blue-eyed and white.
1: Yeah, well said. Thank you. That being said, I was very grateful for my role, obviously. And it was the first time really, I think it was the first real credit I booked, like outside of low budget films, student films. So I'll always have that and always have that moment when I met you. Okay. So yeah. So we're at Jonathan Strauss now. Yes. And how's that going? So you obviously right away started with Chicago PD. So yeah.
0: I was thrown into the fire yeah. right away. We worked no pun intended. long hours. I mean, long. And that continued. Those long hours continued, I would say, probably about until two years ago. And we were small. It was just three of us. And it was just me and Phil and Jonathan. And we, you know, every phone call that rang, we answered. And, you know, every door that knocked, we answered. So it was just sort of this constant acting as a million different people and wearing a million different hats. You know, it's, it's making the copies at the copier and uh, then going in and reading with your actor. And that was, you know, it would turn into some really late nights for us. I I loved it right away. I loved the pace. I still love the pace. And I, Jonathan and I connect on it on on such a a strange artistic level. We joke that we can read each other's minds a lot. I mean, he can just say that actor who wore a red shirt in the last audition and I'll know who he's talking about. Wow. I mean, it could have been an audition like three months ago. So we just have like a very good energy together. So, and and that's so helpful. I mean, sometimes I'll just type in keywords, like into a, a text to him, like actor thirties, like cop question mark. And he'll be like <laughs> this person, you know, just like text wow. it right back. So that is a really amazing thing. And that wow started right away. I mean, we didn't even have any sort of like, Oh, let me try to grow and figure out who you are and what your work style is. We, our work styles meshed right away. Amazing. So that was really cool. And then just that Chicago universe started growing and it started to feel like, you know, your kids, like you you see it grow, you see it change. And I mean, it's still amazing to me how well they perform each week and how many people tune in. Yeah, the numbers are huge absolutely huge. I mean, it's pretty incredible to see a show in 2021, getting 8 million live viewers and, and just it growing from there. People who watch it on Hulu, people who watch it on NBC.com, people who, you know, dvr it. So it's, it's really amazing. And I just feel, I feel really proud of the people that I put on those shows and so many people that I was able to give their first guest star role to. I just, I really am grateful for those moments.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, it's interesting about the particular office because you guys do, obviously, all the Dick Wolf shows, which is a lot. And then they keep expanding, as you say. So it's like, obviously, Law & Order. Everyone knows there's many reiterations of it, etc. But all the Chicago shows, right now there's three. At one point, there was four. Yes, there are four at one point. <laughs> and then FBI now, there's is there three iterations now? There's two? two with two. talks of a third. That's what it is. So, I mean, that's a big deal. Most, most people are worried about whether there's is going to do well enough just to have like another season. And we're already like consistently having these conversations of like, we could do another one. Yeah. That's yeah. crazy. And that's such a compliment to your casting because then you get to pull some of those characters, put them in this other world and have crossovers. And so that's, it's an exciting world. So so just for people who don't know, you pretty much primarily focus on what you call the Chicago triplets. Which yes. I love that idea. So Chicago Fire, Chicago PD and Chicago Med. Yes. What order was that? It was Chicago PD, then Med, then Fire? No, Fire was Fire. fire.
0: Yeah, as I said it, spun out into
1: PD and then spun out into Met. I love how I asked that, but I've definitely seen Fire first. So I don't know why. But yeah, Chicago Fire, because that was like the main storyline. Then it went into, yeah. Okay, cool. I remember that. I don't know why. Yeah, because it's memories. It was a while ago.
0: I mean, it was, you know, nine years ago. Nine seasons that the show's
1: been on. Oh, nuts. It's nuts. Great. Okay. So, well, congrats. That's a big deal. And then, Phil works on law and order, right? Mostly yes. he does the two law and orders. Cause now there are two, right? But that's what he works on. And then yes.
0: we've got Liz Frazier who does FBI most wanted and Riley Hickey does FBI. I did the FBI pilot originally. Right. That is true. Yes. That was that the movie. hardest I've ever worked.
1: Really? Why? I,
0: I typically left the office around three or 4am every night.
1: Wow. Why, why do you think that was for that particular pilot? We did
0: a huge, huge search. I mean, we auditioned hundreds upon hundreds of people. Wow. And I think that, and this is a credit to Craig Turk who wrote that pilot, he left them very open for interpretation. He had like a loose idea of what he wanted, you know, maybe one of the characters to be like. Uh, but other than that, it was just about finding the right actor. That Those sides were hard. They were not easy. And so it was, you know, every actor in the thick of pilot season trying to memorize really hefty tech language and you know crime information. And so it was, it, you know, actors are coming in and stumbling hard on these sides. But we and and the cast was huge. I think the cast was like for the pilot, like 37 or
1: 38 people. Wow. Yeah. Big cast. That's a big cast. Yeah. And does Jonathan, I mean obviously he sees the tapes and he, you know, he's he's involved in all of it, but Is, does he, like, especially for the series regular roles for the pilots, is he heavily involved in the pre-reads or in the reads for that? Jonathan is heavily involved in everything. Got it. And that is uh, pretty
0: amazing to me, but he does not there's not a single role where he does not watch every tape for. Wow. And that's the smallest co-star to the series regulars. Wow. He carves out the time to do it. And his, when we talk about actor
1: databases, like that is- I've heard rumors about Jonathan Strauss's, like his actor database. And I think part of it was that I used to work at TVI Actor Studio prior to, you know, whatever. But I remember Jonathan Strauss's class was such a big deal. And it was very much the rule out of in comparison to all the other classes I don't think we had it that he remembered he, he like I think we had to write it in the description that people he remembered actors so well that he didn't he didn't want to see actors he's seen in the last like seven years he only wanted to see actors that were new or like prior to and I thought that was such an incredible like testament to his memory that he was like, no, I'm good. I, I know you. Like if I've seen you five years ago, like I have an idea of who you are. I'm good. I'm right here. He still will keep that audition. You did five years ago. Wow.
0: He keeps it on a huge hard drive Wow. and has the ability to pull it up. And what's so amazing, we have a series regular over the summer who'd auditioned for us many times as a guest, you know, we auditioned her and gave her a call back and this was all over zoom. So it was really challenging. And Jonathan just said, we have so many colors of this actor from these auditions we've done with her. And, you know, he called me up and he was like, which ones do we send? And we were just able to rattle off, you know, wow. which characters that she'd read for and then sent it along with her callback. And they were like, oh, wow. Like, yes, she's like so powerful and such a chameleon. And that that really has to do. I mean, we're so meticulous about saving and labeling and notes because we refer to that so frequently. I mean, there was a time where I had a audition for Chicago med. I just had like a stellar day auditions. Like everyone was just like coming in on their a game. And so at the end of the day, I had this like amazing collection of selects to show our producers, but of course only one person gets cast. Yeah. And I, we cast this one person and I just saved everybody else for, for next time. And just so happened that like the very next day, someone on SVU had a personal emergency and couldn't come to set. They were like this woman, she wasn't able to come. They had to get someone right there and, Jonathan was like, Jenny, who from your session could we put into SVU today? Wow. And so I gave like, I was like these three, you know, four or three people, they picked one, called her up and it was like, she was like, I didn't even audition for this role. And they're like, it doesn't matter. You're going to set. Oh my set. God, I love that. She and it really goes like... to show like, you know, you audition for one of these shows, you're really auditioning for
1: all of these shows. For... You're, you're auditioning for a database, essentially. Yes, yes <laughs> do, you, do you feel like you do that now? Like, do you collect people's like auditions and takes? and stuff for something like that, maybe?
0: Yeah, I do. I do have a database and um, mine is not as um, fancy as Jonathan's. Jonathan's is like so cool and like has like a search function and like, like photos and mine is just like not as cool. I really want oh, yeah. to actually like have someone create me a specific like casting database. But I will put down what I like to put down and I got this from Jonathan is anything personal I learned about you. Mm. So if you're like I actually work as a carpenter as my side job, I will write in the notes like carpenter side job. Interesting. Cuz it will come up. I know it will. Like there will be something, you know, that you know we, we have, have a carpenter, carpenter and they need to actually use the saw and I'm like I got a carpenter got one. He's ready.
1: That's so great. Cause I, I mean, I'm, I'm only thinking about this now. I've been to your office quite a few times, mm-hmm. either for auditions or as a reader. I think I've only, I think I've only met Jonathan Strauss once and it was for this like crazy series, regular audition for Chicago justice. Yes. He was So nice. Like he just was, I'm probably was super nervous too, but he just like, was just such a kind guy, and he reads with you. He's a really good reader. I, and so it was just like blown away. I had like three scenes I had to do. He made me sp- like, you know, I feel like a job of a reader is really to make you go like, I got you, we got this. Let's just do this together. And he was just such a great reader. And I had a great time in the room. But it's crazy to think. And I was thinking to myself, I was like, I've never really seen him outside the office, like outside his office, because he's probably watching all these tapes. It's a, <laughs> that's, a, that's a huge job. You guys have a lot of shows. But yeah, but, and I, I, now I'm having memories of like the old office. Like it was in the same place at Chelsea Piers, but it was like very was garbage. Lots of bookshelves. Like it was lots of shelves right when you walk in. Yeah,
0: it was so dark. It too. was
1: dark, Yeah. It was dark
0: and it was, there was so much junk in it, junk everywhere. I mean, when we clean that thing out, it's actually Alexis Atkinson, our former associate. I remember. Really clean that thing out. And she was just like, why is there this, you know, computer from 1994 that hasn't worked in years? It was junk. So I'm so I'm so so happy we have the space that we have now, which is gives us the flexibility to do what we need to do. We needed that space.
1: Yeah, I want you guys, I'm throwing out, I want you guys to have like another room for auditioning because I feel like that would help you guys because you have so many shows. Yeah. it would have another room just to be able to put people on tape I think would help. So we, I'm, we, I'm we saying for it every year. I'm saying I'm putting it out into the universe. I want this for you guys. I think it would yeah. make everyone's like, cause you guys, I mean, you just can't help it. You're growing all the yeah. time. It's, it's, it's definitely like fight. We have
0: a whiteboard and it'll be like, I need to get these actors in at this time, and right? Like, Why well, them this time they start work the next day. And I'm like, Oh, oh. You know, big fight.
1: So we, you know, we sad. definitely scramble over those taping rooms. I think the actors who do listen to this will feel really good knowing that you guys have that database of actors, even if it's not on hand, like in your head. And I remember you used to call it a database because when you did do workshops, which you don't really, you don't do anymore unless exactly. they're like SAG-after ones, I feel like, and maybe I'm wrong, but I think no, I've you're seen right. you with, okay. Good. So, but when you did do them, I remember you would say, here's my email address, which you no longer do for obvious reasons, but here's my email address and like, send me your headshot and I keep a database of your headshots. Do you still have that? Yeah, I do.
0: I don't keep the headshots so much just because there's it's so much easier to look you up now. Yeah, that's fair. Um, whereas, you know, 10 years ago, it was like, Like if I Google image search you, you probably didn't come up and now you do. So I don't keep the headshots so much anymore, but I, I, you know, I keep notes. I keep, you know, records of when you last came in, when I last saw
1: you, what you read. Wow. That must be so extensive online. You should. Yeah. That's a lot of actors. Yeah. It's a lot. It definitely is. And there are times
0: where I, I have a photographic memory. So that helps as well. I had no idea. I do. Actually, that's amazing. Yeah, I I have it with I don't have it with numbers. That's the only thing that I can't picture for some reason. But I can. So like typically, like if I read with actors, and I don't usually like to I like to um, be behind the camera, I can look at piece of a side one time and be able to read it back that's I don't amazing. Yeah. I have like a crazy good memory. So oh. when actors are like, oh, like I just had only 24 hours to, you know, memorize this. I'm like, I have, I don't have any sort of like context of that. Right. It's like I can't relate to you in
1: this particular way.
0: Yes. So, like, I, I, faces to me, I remember them so specifically, and I typically remember them as they were. So, it is actually kind of like people like shaving or something that I'll be trying to place you. I always say, like, it's like the little like phone book of my
1: mind where I'm like going through the pages.
0: How do I know you? How do I know you? How do I know
1: you? But So do you do the same thing when you're watching TV and film then? Because you'll have that memory of like that actor from that show. Let's look that up right now.
0: Yeah. So my husband will actually, he gets bothered by this because he'll be like, do you want me to pause it? (laughs) Because I'll be looking up the actor on IMDb. I love um, Amazon X-Ray because it shows the actors, you know, right away. But what I do is I just type in the actor's name and then I screenshot it. So I don't, I try not to look at their like, you know, film resume as I'm watching, it's just like, get their name screenshot. I add it to the database. So typically on my, on my camera roll, there's screenshots of IMDB pages. That's funny. Yeah. And what makes me really sad is when it's like a totally brand new actor and there's no picture and I'm
1: like, ah, how am I supposed to remember this? Oh, gray square. I need a face the last mark question mark yeah okay so the other thing I wanted to ask and I have a good idea for it but I think every office is a bit different so I wanted to get this idea what is the journey from like you getting an episode from either one of your shows to booking people for it and actors going to set so do you do the breakdowns for every role that's on the show I typically do. Sometimes the writers will write them or they'll tweak them in some way. But I typically do the
0: breakdowns and I, you know, I write them. I release them into the wild. (laughs) (laughs) It really does feel like the wild. Really? Uh, Because
1: there's so many people that like. There's a lot of people, it's thousands of submissions and I
0: know actors hate hearing that, but I do think it
1: helps in some way. I think it does too. I think of it, I think it helps because it it almost feels like you won by getting the appointment in a way, because the odds of that, if you think about how many people submitting are so huge. So if you're one of the people getting, that's already a huge win. Absolutely.
0: And, and, and you think about just like time, the amount of people that you can see. I mean, the nice thing about what's happened with COVID is we're just able to see such a huge amount of people because it's all over tape Yeah, um, and it's not someone coming in and adjusting them in the room. I mean, we did lose that time to adjust in the room, which I really feel has been challenging, but I am loving the volume and the amount of actors I'm able to
1: see. Do you guys thing. ever do eco or is it all self-tapes at this point really? Or we do both?
0: self-tapes and then we've done callbacks over Zoom Cool, okay. and everybody has been flexible. Good. I didn't expect everybody to be. Really? You know, I thought that there would be some, you know, directors being like I don't want to do this or, you know, figure out a different way for me or whatever it might be, but n- nobody Go has. Like Everyone has just been so ready and eager and willing to
1: do whatever they need to. So yeah, yeah I, I put out the breakdown. Well, and also let's clarify breakdowns are like descriptions for people who don't know descriptions yeah. of the characters. Yeah. You do all that, which takes a while. I'm sure how yeah. many per show, I mean, this is hard, but how many roles per show do you usually have approximately? It changes probably every week. It changes. Yeah. I mean, there's
0: sometimes where the cast are like 20 and there's sometimes where the cast are six. And this uh, is per
1: week per episode. Yes. Cool. So you yeah. get the, let's say you get the episode, you get the script for a new episode. How far in advance do you get it before you start casting, before you start sending or like submitting breakdowns on what we call Breakdown Express, which I is- feel like maybe 24 hours, I have the script. Nuts. In.
0: Nuts. Read it, and then we typically do a phone call about it where we discuss the characters. You know, we discuss their age, their race, their socioeconomic class, whatever
1: we need to know about this character to capture. And it. who's that call with? Is it the showrunner?
0: Yeah, the showrunner, the writers, uh, the director is typically cool. on it. Our line producer is usually on it as well, sometimes ADs. So it depends on the, on the show for sure. But sometimes, you know, with some showrunners, like they want to have like totally full say on the casting and some completely leave it up to the directors. Got it. Sometimes it's a collaboration. It really depends on the show and the the people.
1: And does it usually come down Does like the client in the case that approves the actor or for whoever, for the role, is it often the showrunner that like makes the final decision? Yeah, Definitely.
0: I mean, the director will uh, typically, you know, say like, oh, this is who I want. This is this is my first choice or second choice. But the showrunner's job is to look out for the entire show. So, you know, they might have different reasons to choose this actor over another actor, you know, for. Story purposes, or because maybe this episode that the director um, wants this person, but two episodes we had a guest star that maybe kind of looked similar and we don't want it to, yeah. you know, seem like the same person, whatever it might be. Yeah. So, so, yeah, oftentimes it does come down to the showrunner, the kind of main producers on the show.
1: Cool. So, so you put out the breakdowns. So we're going back. So we put out the breakdowns, and you know, you have so you have the call. You put out the breakdowns, and then so you put it on this database, which is called Breakdown Express. And that's when all the agents and managers kind of start pitching slash submitting. So you said you get thousands sometimes for every individual role. Yeah. Do you go through all those headshots yourself. Okay, that's that's a lot. Okay, so first, do you immediately start thinking this actor, this actor would be great. This actor. Like right away put down like the ones that you can think of off the top of your head. How many on average? I mean, that obviously changes per role, but like how many do you think you come up with just brainstorming without looking at submissions?
0: Sometimes I can do I will I will do an entire role just based off of ideas and not release a breakdown. Nice. And but sometimes I, I, you know, I'll put out the breakdown because I like to, I, I like to see new faces. Yeah. Uh, that's something I really love to commit to, especially for things like guest stars. I really want to make sure that I'm bringing in some actors who I know, like, without a doubt are going to nail it. Yeah. And, uh, Which is
1: important because yeah. if you, if your job is to cast the role, you need to know you're going to have those people that, Yeah.
0: I yeah. need like, I, I
1: definitely need like the pinch
0: hitter. And then I want to bring in sort of like kind of like, I wouldn't say half and half. I'd probably say like 40, 60. I want to bring in about 60 new people because wow, you bring in a new actor. There's so many things that happen One, you find out they might not look anything like their headshot. This is like the completely wrong role for them. You find out maybe they have super gentle energy and this is a more aggressive or brassy character. You find out maybe they're a completely different physical type than you thought that they were. Yep. So yep. then you take all those notes and then you apply them for next time. Right. But Got I it. think one thing that's really amazing is because Actors Access and Breakdown Express give you so many abilities to like add a thing like a link to your website or you're real. I'm sort of not seeing so much that coming in and not being totally right for it. Good. Because I'm getting able to, I'm being able to see more of a, an actor's like whole personality or whole energy from you look at slate shots and stuff. I actually love the slate shots. Many years ago, I never looked at them and wow. I didn't even know what they were. Like these actors are like, "How important is it to have a slate shot?" And I was like, "What's a like, slate shot?" I was like, "What are you talking about?" It was so rare for an actor to have it. But I think if you have absolutely no reel whatsoever, if you are not on camera at all, get yourself a slate shot because it shows how you speak. It shows how you carry yourself. And we can see that person that was just a headshot come alive. If there's a slate shot, I definitely will watch. I've, I've
1: heard, and I don't know if it's true, but I've heard the algorithm for actors access has it. So that if you have all that stuff, if you have, if you submit your slate shot, if you submit this, if you submit that your submission goes up higher. So I wonder if you see the same actors in the beginning over and over again, like you'll always see those same actors and be, because they have all that package there.
0: That's very possible. Yeah. I mean, it's interesting because uh, Breakdown Express does allow us to sort by different things like alphabetically, submission time. You can do all sort of stuff. I just do it random just yeah. as it comes up. Yeah. Uh, and I, go, I typically go through, I don't like to go through a breakdown once everyone is submitted. I like to go through it in chunks. Mm. So like typically like within... 20 minutes, I'll have 300 submissions. I'll go through 300 submissions. Then I'll go back in an hour, go through 300 more. Go back in an hour, go through 300. Is there a way for you to then note this is where I left off? Yeah, I can mark them as viewed and then just start with the brand new people, which is Great. great
1: that's great that's good to know okay and so in terms of pitching do you get a lot of agents and managers still calling and emailing and being like hey see this actor how does a normal pitch go and what's a good pitch do you like agent pitches I do I think
0: I think that an agent pitch that I typically don't respond to is when they just put the actor's name in there with like no information like it's like hey you should see this actor and I'm like okay like then I have to go look them up and like, it's just, yeah. I think if you're going to send me an email, I would prefer like a, a pretty like solid package. I don't need like a bio about who you are, but I love just, here's a link to the reel, here's a link to their website, here's their headshot, here's their resume. And I like to look at all that stuff.
1: And here's I, the role you should consider so-and-so forth. Yeah, that exactly. Too.
0: And I think that I've been really responding to self-tapes. I actually kind of prefer them over the reels sometimes. Interesting. Because I think with a reel, especially when you're first getting started in the business, you rely so much on external circumstances. You know, it's the scene partner you're with. It's the director. It's the show that you're on. And that might not necessarily represent who you are as an actor. So I do think that when an agent sends me a really good self-tape that they did, I get excited about that. I like to see that sort of actor in their rawest form, like not made up by a professional makeup crew and hair done by the hair crew. Like this is this is an actor as they're going to come in for me. I love getting a self-tape, especially for new
1: actors. So do agents go, hey, like, you know, I saw the scene, it would be really good for this client. I had her self-tape for it. Can you watch it kind of thing? No, it's typically like, you know, I have a
0: role and it's a mom, like a really loving, sweet mom. And they're like, hey, you know, a few weeks ago, they had an audition for New Amsterdam and it was a similar role. Like, here's the self-tape that they did. And I thought it was really strong. And so I'm able to look at that and see that, but they don't even really need to be tonally the same. I just like being able to see the actor act in the sort of audition, circumstances, how they interpret material, because once we get to set, we're just being molded in different ways. You know, the director is changing things. The writer is changing things like an actor in your audition just gets the sides and brings what you have. Right.
1: That's a good point. So that's all. Their, it's all their choices. It's all their like their natural element, if you will.
0: Yes. So the yeah. So I mean, I get I start getting emails the second the breakdown comes out, and it's a lot of emails. And I remember that one time, and an, an agent asked me why didn't you respond to my pitch email? It makes me really upset. And I said, well, here's the thing: I typically get um, about two hundred to three hundred pitch emails every time I put out a breakdown. Wow. If, if I responded to every single one of them, uh, why I'm not, I've decided not to see this actor or why I've decided to see this actor, I wouldn't have cast the show. I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing. My job is to service the show. My job is is to serve the producer. And unfortunately, I would love to have the time to give feedback to every actor. I would love to have time to tell every um, agent who sends a pitch why I can or am not seeing this actor, but I just can't. The volume is wild. And if I, but I look at every pitch, every single
1: thing I go through. wow. I'm very impressed. Well, you know, it's a lot of emails to to imagine the amount of roles you have to cast. There's huge parts of your job that's that's all the behind the scenes that we don't even know. And so, like, you know, I'll have an idea of it, but I had no idea the volume of pitches you'll get for, like, a role. That's Yeah, I mean,
0: and if it's a series regular, like, goodbye. We typically will warn the office when we're about to release the series regular breakdown because yeah.
1: the phones will go off the hook. Because you're getting probably people from different places, too. It's not just New York. Yeah. It's everywhere. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, do you bring in actors from different places now during this whole time? Like, are, are you going to bring in yeah. an actor for a role? People are from
0: everywhere. I mean, with the New York shows, it's more specific, but on the Chicago shows, they're considered essential workers. Right, so right we're now. able to fly people in from everywhere. So That's we have good. someone from Alabama coming in. We have someone from Oregon coming in this episode, wow. um, several from California, several from New York. We've had some Texas, we had some Missouri. I mean, just, they've been everywhere. And I think That's sort of the nice thing about something like a Chicago show. We are, we are flying people in for a lot of the roles, So it's helpful for people who've relocated during this time.
1: I love that. Oh, it's good to know. It's really good to know. So just to sort of wrap up the journey part. So you put out the breakdowns during a course of what, five days you're, you're auditioning people for, Oh, I think it's less, It's less.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think by it's usually three. I'd say. So we typically will like put out the breakdown and within 24 hours, usually Have appointments, appointments are flying out. Yeah. And it always like makes me laugh when an agent will call me like a week later and like pitch a role. And I'm like, that role's cast. Like yeah. we are done. Like it starts shooting tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, so it's really, really fast. And it's even
1: faster during COVID because of COVID testing. Right. You need to get that in early. Yes. So when do you guys usually like start making decisions and then sending out like contracts and stuff? Are you involved in the negotiations and all? For I do all the negotiations. So Which yeah, it's yeah. very extent. I can't imagine that you do this for three shows. I know you do, but it's just, that sounds like so much to be responsible for
0: the it's, you know, it's. I am very, very, very organized. So that's helpful. But, you know, I I like doing the negotiations. I, I, it sort of feels like putting a bow on things. And it's just like, you ship the actor off and like the work is done and then it starts all over again. But, you know, typically it's like, you know, first three days we're auditioning, we get selects into our producers, they pick people and then we send them to the network and studio. And typically by like day four, day five, we're making an offer uh, to the actor. And I would say for the most part, you know, these agents are savvy. They know, what is typical for these shows, they know the, the money that is being spent. So typically most agents, you know, don't drag it out because they want to know that they can't because there is a, a day that they need to report to set report to wardrobe. But you know, they also have had people they've booked on the show. And there's also this wonderful thing that SAG, you know, has this scale of pay that yeah. gives you an, a relative idea of what people are getting paid. And I think that's really helpful.
1: Yeah. Uh, but yeah, then we start out and we start negotiating and. And so usually by the time these actors are on set for that episode, you're already on the next episode, right? Yes. That, yeah. that. By
0: day one of shooting, we're starting prep on the next episode. So yeah. every eight days
1: how do you do three shows is really what I want to ask. Like, how do you have in your mind that many rules you have to come up with brainstorm, prioritize? I mean, I know you you're very organized, but is there anything else involved in it that you can share with us? I
0: mean, my assistant helps a lot. She's amazing. Her name's yeah. Taylor Smith. She's incredible. I've been really blessed to have some amazing assistants, but they, they feel specific. I typically don't have a lot of rules that bump into each other on the episodes. So it's it's easy to focus on 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 the roles that you're working on in those moments and then of course like we have local casting as well and so
1: there's there's a bit of dividing and conquering on the casting will also cast probably a lot of the co-stars but also some of the guest stars yes yeah so that helps
0: so, you know, and then we, we try to help them out with anything that they feel that they will have trouble finding, you know, smaller yeah. pools of, of actors, or, you know, even things that are just more challenging material where we want to make sure that we have actors who can really handle it. And we'll kind of, they'll look in Chicago, we'll look in New York and LA and cover as many bases as possible. But I think the big thing is. I mean, I just keep crazy notes. We have, they call it the Chicago universe. We have a database of every single actor we've ever had on the show, what role they played and what episode they they were in. There's like an occasional moment where I'll put someone on the list and go, did I already cast them? And I can look at this universe list and and know, you know, kind of where I am. So I love having those lists. I call it status sheets. So when I pin an actor, Mm -hmm. when I, you know, maybe when an actor who's in, maybe in the mix, maybe they got another offer, but they prefer to do mine and I'll make a note, like, you know, let Michelle know if she's not getting the part so she can take that other job. So every, I'm just constantly making And I also just accept time timers and reminders for myself, make sure I do, you know, type up the credits for the episode by this day so I can send it to post and they can put it,
1: you know, a lot. I can't believe you have to do that too. I did not know that was also part of yeah, your, because, job. You know,
0: your, your credit. Your credit, the position in the credits is some is part of a negotiation, so right, we typically yeah. handle that. You know, like we put yeah. show and yeah. yeah, and you know, if you're the first guest star, if you're the with, you're the and, you know, or you do have a shared card, do you have a single card? So, all of that's negotiated. So, we handle typing them up to send them over to post, wow, uh, to make sure that we're honoring the negotiations.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Wow. I I just want to be mindful of time because I know I told you about an hour. Do you have a few extra minutes? I I don't want to. Okay, because I just was like, I have so many other questions, but I'm going to try to be concise. My next question I wanted to ask you, and I know it's also subjective and every casting director is different. But when you think of someone for a role, is it very role specific or do you often think, okay, this actor is like, just more co-star ready right now, just based on either their resume or what I've seen of them or are they more guest star ready? Do you think of actors sort of in buckets, if you will, of like, okay, this is like a co-star, this is guest star, this is series regular. I want to bring that person in for series regular. That person might not be ready for series regular right now. So I'll bring them more in this pool. Or do you think of it as very role specific? I think of it as
0: role specific, but I do think that there are times where I'll I'll bring an actor in and especially if I meet them for the first time and I get a sense of, of what they're able to handle right off. And I do not, I, I do not believe in, looking at resume as a connection into what your experiences and what you're ready to do. Yeah. And because I think that just services that sort of, when we're talking about the sort of white, white cisgender man, and I, I, I love a white cisgender man, I'm married to one. But what we see is those are the people who who get the beefiest resumes. Those are the people who work right away, who have major connections, maybe attended the top schools, and so their resumes look pretty flawless. And I just don't believe in in constantly servicing. That energy, you know, there are people who've had no training or you know uh, maybe they just gra- graduated from um, LaGuardia High School who I I think could be ready for series regulars than people who've had years and years of conservatory training. I mean, it really depends on the actor and who they are. So cool. I like to go with role and who I think you are, your energy. and I, I just sort of like to see the the um, kinds of roles that you've played. And if that feeds in, like, especially if you're a theater actor, because I'm very knowledgeable about theater and plays. And so I'll look at your theater resume sometimes and, you know, I'll see like, oh, okay, like she's she's played these major heroines. So it's pretty yeah. like I'll be able to bring her in and she'll be like a pretty great ass kicking mm-hmm. FBI agent. Right. And that's really helpful, helpful for me. That's but I question. don't like to look at like co-star, guest star and go like, okay, well, she's had six co-stars. So maybe she's ready for Yeah,
1: I think I think it's important to note. I'm glad that you said that. A, just in general, but B, I feel like that's a lot of the actor conversations I am a part of, or I hear from people where they're like, and I think it's because actors have to look at it from their career agents and managers talk to them about like, okay, should we not submit you for co-stars anymore and blah, blah, blah. But I always wonder, I feel like casting is just separate. That's not their, 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 their goal is to cast a role. So they don't care as much. I think if a person has enough credits for X, Y, and Z, or their resume is extensive because they just want to make sure that they cast the right person Uh, and actors looking at it from like, I've done enough co-stars. I think it's time. Does that casting director still think of me as a co- star person only. And we're like, so I think it's something that gets asked a lot.
0: There's so many people that, you know, especially on our shows, you know, we see you for so many different kinds of roles. I mean, there are so many people who say my first co-star was on law and order and my first guest star was on Chicago fire. Yeah. And that is, that's only a testament to Jonathan and his memory, but it's also, we think about energy you know, and I remember like Brian Michael, who I just love as an actor. love
1: Brian Michael. He's just
0: amazing and and such a star now, but he, he played like a two line cop on law and order. And I had met him. He had been like a reader for something that I did and I just loved his energy. And he said to me, Oh, I just did like an independent film where I played a firefighter and he asked if he could send it to me. And I said, sure. And I watched it. And I thought he was so great, but Wow. What spoke to me about Brian was just like his energy. Like he was so animated and warm and welcoming. And then I had this character in Chicago PD and they wanted warm, welcoming. They said, we want someone that we could fall in love with the second that we see them. And I said, oh, it's Brian. And I went into Jonathan's office, and I knew that like two years ago he'd cast as a cop. And I said, "I really think we should bring in Brian Michael for this." And Brian didn't have some you know crazy big resume at the time. And Jonathan went, "Oh, that's so perfect. He's so lovable," and he booked the part. But it was it was about energy, you know. I wasn't thinking about. You know, and, and once in a while, a director or producer will want to look at a body of work, you know, will want, a, you know, a more established actor and, or they have fears that there's like, you know, an actor will be too green or whatever it might be. but I, I try to, I try to push past that because then we just start seeing television with the same faces over and over and over again, which is great for those actors, yeah. but I don't know if, if that's really the art we want to be making.
1: I agree. I like that. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Wonderful. Oh, self-tapes, do's and don'ts. Anything for actors about putting stuff now that like our main job right now is self-tapes. Though I do have have an EcoCast live audition this week and I'm like, I'm so used to self-tapes now. I'm like trying to remember how to do this like live again. It's fine.
0: Yeah. The EcoCast lives, you just be present and you be careful about talking over people because that's the big one. It starts cutting out and then people get frustrated. So it's really just listening, absorbing, and then responding rather than going going, oh, yeah, you know, and and agreeing to a note that you're excited about, because then Mm you really don't hear the note. And that's really challenging with Ecocast and Zoom. I actually did over on the beginning of the pandemic. I did a self-tape do's and don'ts on my Instagram. So you can go to that and even check out my like ideas for solid self-tapes. But my big thing is, is we have to be able to see you and we have to be able to hear you. It is outrageous to me that sometimes I will get self-tapes where an actor is in total darkness mm-hmm. and I can't hear them. Yeah, And I go into my like little editing software and I bump up the volume all the way. I can't send that to my team. Yeah. So, you know, and I'll call the agent or the manager, or the actor, and I'll say, hey, you have to redo this. Yeah. And they'll say, oh, hey, well, when when do you want it? I'm like, well, the deadline was an hour ago, so I need it in five minutes. You got to jump on this thing. And that might not be something that you can do. The self-tape just has to be a good enough quality. And of course, we're being forgiving of the fact that you don't have a film studio in yeah. your you know, some people are just taping against a blank wall and I'm totally okay with that, but yeah. we do need to see you like turn on your lights, hearing you, seeing you. Yes. And, you, and and understanding you. And I think the big thing is that everybody just wants to throw paint at the wall with these cell tapes and they don't take consideration into things like moment before they don't take stock of where they are in the story and if we're in the room together I can remind you of those things but you have to do a little bit more of that research and and that and and that care into your own scene work because it can, it can look really strange. I had a, I had a, a character at the very beginning of Chicago PD, and it was a dad whose daughter had been accidentally shot. And it literally, the first line of action read the top of the side, like you could not miss it. It was right by start. It said, the scene is still hot. Okay. So that says to me, like, scene is hot and you know that there's ambulances and sirens and people crying and you know it is loud and intense and this is seconds after you know his daughter's literally being loaded into an ambulance and that's how the scene starts wow and i mean these guys are some of these guys were reading it as if this happened 10 days ago. And they were the calmest, most even keeled guys. And I was like, I knew that if I just got in a room with them and I said, Hey, happens 30 seconds ago, they would change everything. But we didn't have that time for that adjustment. But I knew if they'd just given a little bit more care, if they'd seen that the scene is still hot and really took into consideration what that meant. Then they would have gotten the point of the scene. They would have gotten the story. And you have to be the storyteller.
1: Yeah. I mean, essentially, yeah. So be seen, be heard moment before and also check out your Instagram because it has crazy tips on everything, including self-tape secrets. So this is the last acting question because you kind of brought it up and I think that it'd be fun to talk about. So in terms of like competition in the industry, this idea of like, you got this, you have an agent, you have this audition, I want it. People, especially right now with like the advent of people watching social media all the time, we're constantly comparing ourselves. What would you say to... actors right now who are worried they're not getting as many auditions as they want to, or just consistently maybe jealous or competing with other actors in their minds about roles.
0: I saw this quote several years ago that was blowing out someone else's candle doesn't make yours shine brighter. And I think that that's so important. Unfortunately, someone else getting success doesn't mean that it was robbed from you, it doesn't mean that they're less deserving of it. And I think, you know, social media is social media is social media. And some people do things like self-tapes when they don't even have a self-tape because that's how they they want to honor their art. And that's how they want to keep themselves from getting rusty. I, I think that your job as an actor but also as a friend as a good human being is to say I'm proud of you I'm excited for you yeah. when other people around you are successful and happy that bleeds onto you you feel it too you get motivated you get excited and then you know maybe they get to a place where they're able to extend you a little bit of something yeah. you know they write a, they write a successful series
1: and you're they're able to cast you as a guest star There you go um, so I do believe in that sort of giving and giving and giving. So I think so too. Okay, so I'm going to put aside all the other questions I have and just ask you the ones I always ask at the end for mentors. So, one, do you have any mentors, or who are your mentors? Um, it's okay you don't have any. No, or like you can't think of you it.
0: You know, I think that I, it's really interesting to me because I definitely did have someone who I I I, I looked to artistically as sort of the beginning of my path. One thing that I, I, I learned is they made some, some big professional blunders and I learned what not to do. Yeah. And that, so I don't know if I'd call that a mentor, but I think that that was a strange sort of guide into yeah. things. I, I really respect Jonathan and Phil. I think they're fantastic artists and really cool people and and Cindy Tolan and Adam Caldwell. But I think when I like really think about someone who has been important to my life and my growth as a person, it is my sister. My sister is a teacher. She's an elementary school teacher. She is outrageously empathetic and she puts people first. She is so giving and thoughtful and, anytime that I, cause there, I, I consider myself an honest person, but sometimes I'm a bit honest to a fault and I not a super emotional person. She is, and she made me more aware of everybody else's feelings. And that just because that thing happened and it didn't affect me, doesn't mean that it won't affect others. Doesn't mean that It won't ruin your day. And so it's been such a practice and empathy. And so much of, of casting is taking someone by the hand, metaphorically, and being like, all right, let me help you get there. And that's so much of my sister and the way that she communicates with people.
1: Oh, I love that. Yeah. Thank you for sharing. What's your sister's name? Her name's Rachel. And then the, si- the last question I always ask is, what's your definition of success?
0: I ha- actually have a phrase that I use, which is you define your own success. So I love that you asked this as a question. So I think it can be anything for you. I think it can be, you know, deciding not to be an actor and being a yoga teacher. I think that it can be moving to a small town and doing regional theater there and raising a family. for success- For me, I I do like to work. And so it's, it's sort of feeding my soul with that work every day, but also doing it in a way that I feel honors my morals and my values. And that does mean a commitment to authentic casting. That does mean a commitment to diversity. That does mean a commitment to if I screw up, I apologize. So that's success to me. Just constantly checking in with myself. Making sure I'm believing
1: in what I'm doing. Well said. Thank you. I mean, Jenny, I I really could ask you a million more questions, but I'm going to end it there. Thank you so much for your time. Thank really you for having it. me. You're one of my favorite people. You're castings. such a delight and and so positive. And
0: you always are so giving to other actors. I mean, that co- that question you asked about competition—that is like the antithesis of who you are. You're so giving and thoughtful.
1: So appreciate that.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and it's just when you can commit to supporting someone, you, you, they that they, they support you back. Sure.
1: Yeah. And you need yeah. that sometimes. Yeah, and you develop a tribe. You develop your tribe of people. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you, Jenny. Thank you. It's So great to see you. Have a thank great so rest much. of your day. Thank you so much. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening to Mentors on the Mic. If you enjoyed the episode, please share it with a friend in entertainment you know would love it. Let me know what you've learned or what stayed with you on our Instagram at mentors on the mic. I love reading your messages. Uh, You can also find me at at Michelle Simone Miller on Instagram. On both accounts, I'll be sharing even more information about our mentors. Talk to someone about what you learned today who would really appreciate it and send them the episode. Also, if you love the show, please go ahead and leave us a rating and review on iTunes. It really makes a huge difference in growing this. It makes it easier for people to find our podcast. And I love reading your reviews. So thank you so much. And I'll see you next week.